1: AC Sparky, five for 55 past the hour. Time for another Milwaukee sports timeout as we broadcast live from the Wendy's studios. Don't forget, after each and every Bucks victory, get yourself a free frosty at participating Wisconsin Wendy's within twenty-four hours. Uh, this Packers uh, football team season ended at the hands of the Detroit Lions, and time to talk with it uh, with uh, Eli Berkovitz, uh, the co-host of Open Book on Game On Wisconsin and co-host of the Packaday Podcast as well. Does some writing for CBS Sports and fantasy. Pros, uh, Eli. Uh, the biggest disappointment for you uh, in that game was what? Uh, I mean, there was there was a lot to look at, but I think one of the underrated
2: huge parts of by the offense was never able to get going. Was the offensive line just simply getting beaten on almost every snap, whether it was a run or a pass by the Lions' front seven? I just feel like, especially in the run game, there were no holes going up the middle. That first drive, first and goal at the five-yard line two runs, both get stuffed at the line of scrimmage. Uh, the run game was supposed to be the Packers' strength of the season and going into this game, we knew they had to run the ball and to, you know, to win the game, and they just couldn't do it. And I think that really, that stunted the whole offense.
1: Follow Eli on Twitter at BookOfEli underscore NFL. When we talk about uh, the Packers' red zone issues uh, this year, and they've uh, been a plenty, how much of it do you think has to do with the fact that Nathaniel Hackett left in the offseason?
2: I think it definitely must've played a factor because we know how good he was in that gold zone. But at the same time, I mean, in 2020, they were elite in the red zone, but last year they were already starting to show some struggles, even with Hackett there. And then this year obviously was just really, really bad in the red zone. But I do think Hackett not being there definitely played a part because I think the red zone and just overall situational play calling this year by Matt LaFleur was some of the most questionable play calling I've seen and just a great example of that would be the fourth and inches jet sweep to Alan Lazard I don't see any reason why that is a play call on fourth and inches you have two very capable running backs who could get it you could have did a QB sneak or you could have punted the ball the defense was playing fine they give them the ball at the 30-yard line the defense stepped up and held them to a field goal but they never would have got those three points to begin with if that, I mean, I just don't know how you could think a jet sweep on fourth and inches is the move. And even if you do, why is it to Alan Lazard? He's not, he's not a jet sweep guy. He's not your most versatile wide receiver to be doing those plays with. So it's just that play calling is very frustrating.
1: It was absolutely uh, frustrating. Also frustrating, I uh, was watching uh, Packer defenders uh, get flags thrown at them. Uh, first, let's talk about Quay Walker uh, getting ejected. Devontae Wyeth then coming up uh, and nudging up on the trainer uh, as well, you saw the the video of Walker walking down the the tunnel and kind of emotional uh, and distraught of the fact that he got kicked out of yet another uh, game. What is that? The first time in the last 15 years a player has been kicked out of multiple. NFL games in a season. Seeing a lot of fans saying, oh, they got to trade them. They just should cut them and move on. We don't need that type of stuff. And referencing back to the 80s Packers by what's going on. I I think people are overreacting a little bit. I mean, this kid was coming on big time here uh, in the second half and was a leading tackler, I believe, when he got kicked out of that game. I think you just got to have some patience uh, and and hopefully uh, he gets better.
2: Yeah, I definitely don't see the Packers trading him or cutting him or anything like that. But Yeah, obviously doing that is just, it's totally unacceptable on on multiple levels. Obviously, there's no reason you should be shoving really anyone after a play, but obviously, especially a, a trainer. I mean, I've never even seen anything like that. And you could almost make the argument that what Wyatt did was somewhat worse. Like Clay Walker, like they were still figuring out the bottom of the pile. The trainer kind of pushed himself in there and maybe whatever. Walker just, again, terrible decision, no excuse for it. But Wyatt coming in after And having five seconds to think about what he's about to do and coming in and and giving that little shove, even though he tried to make it look like nothing, but obviously the cameras caught it, that's just like, what are you doing? And then, again, it just comes down to the discipline, I think, of this team. Quay Walker's already been ejected from a game this season. He's already had multiple personal foul penalties this season. And here we are in Week 18, the biggest game of the year, and you're still doing it. Like, at a certain point, the coaches need to – I mean, yes, they're not out there on the field, but they need to do something to make it clear that this kind of behavior is just not acceptable, and clearly it didn't because it keeps happening.
1: interested a residency, if they dock my paycheck and suspend him the first game of the year next year or something like that, I think some type of action will be taken, would be my guess. Uh, the other one that stood out, obviously, is Rajul Douglas uh, going up and uh, knocking the ball away from the center uh, after play had been stopped for a possible field goal attempt, and he gets shoved and he head slaps uh, a Detroit line, uh, and he gets flagged uh, as well. And what I suspected was the case is exactly what it ended up being, which is, you know, he obviously watches the NBA sees these guys block, you know, jump shots after the play is called dead to not allow the uh, other NBA player to see the the ball go into the basket. That was his thought process on uh, the field goal attempt that was going to happen, even though it wasn't going to count. I mean, I get it. But that's just not something that happens in the National Football League. I've never seen anybody do that.
2: Yeah, I mean, exactly. I understand you want to you know, have that reasoning that you don't want to give them a free shot, I guess. But number one, like you said, it. I've never seen anybody grab the ball out of the center's hands while he's trying to snap it. And also, okay, he takes an extra kick. We see every single week in the NFL, whether it's before half or the end of the game, Kickers get that free kick when a timeout's called, and it is what it is. I mean, Badgley already missed in the game. Why are you going and making it easier for him? And there's just, you call timeout, okay, you call timeout, you stand there. Like, it's just, there's never, I've never seen anything like that. And for him to do that and then to turn around and slap the guy in the face, because he didn't even get flagged. He didn't even get flagged for touching the ball, which I thought was interesting, but fine. But then afterwards, of course you're going to get flagged if you slap a guy in the face and you tried saying he got pushed. I don't think he really got pushed. He was more kind of pulled away from the ball. But obviously, again, much like Clay Walker, just totally undisciplined. It seemed like they had, like the defense is maybe trying to give off this, you know, macho kind of like aggressive vibe, which I always love when they play aggressive. But playing aggressive and being aggressive after plays or – the trainers that that's not what we're looking for.
1: Time with Eli Berkovitz here on twelve fifty a.m. The fan. What about the fumbling uh, issues of Aaron Jones uh, this year? Uh, I, I don't know if it's fumbling or not. I mean, being an old guy, I remember watching Amon Green play and all the fumbling issues that he had over the course of time. Should we be concerned uh, about Aaron Jones and the fumbling?
2: It's it's definitely becoming a serious concern. It's it's one thing if he was fumbling. I mean, it's never a good thing to fumble, but to be fumbling in uh, technically playoff games like he did last night and he fumbled obviously twice versus Tampa Bay 2 years ago in the yep. championship game. I mean these are these are massively key fumbles and it's really it's just it is unacceptable from a player of his of his caliber like and and it seems like almost all of his fumbles are coming from behind which it's difficult because obviously you're not seeing that guy coming but you're not a full running back. You should be more than aware that a guy is going to be coming and hitting you from behind on almost every single run. And you just, he has the ball kind of just flying out on the side. It needs to be tucked in up against his chest and not possible for someone to come behind him and just punch it free. And unfortunately we saw that happen last night. Robert Tunyon almost made a very good and smart play getting that play, uh, you know, touching the ball a lot of bounds, but he just barely missed it. And in my opinion, Again, a lot of bad last night. But in my opinion, that is, without a doubt, the game-changing play and the reason the Packers lost that game. They, go, they don't have that fumble. At worst, they're going into half 12-3, to almost certainly, potentially even 16-3. to And then the game, you can really start to kind of put it away as the Packers. But that fumble, they get a field goal, they get a touchdown after half, 10 straight points, totally different game.
1: The other thing uh, that I wanted to talk about is Aaron Rodgers uh, because there was a chart uh, that came out uh, on Twitter uh, from JJ Zachariasen, if that's how you say his name. Uh, And it says final deep ball chart of the year. This shows each 100 plus attempt quarterback this year, their rate of throwing it 15 plus uh, yards in the air and their completion percentage on those throws. You will not find Aaron Rodgers at the top of this list. You will find Aaron Rodgers by names like Andy Dalton, Carson Wentz, PJ Walker, Marcus Mariota. That's whose company he is keeping 38.39% completion uh, percentage of those throws. And on top of it, Uh, As far as the number of throws he's making, over 20%, which is uh, towards the upper half of quarterbacks in the NFL making those type of throws, yet the completion percentage uh, is way lower than those at the top of the food chart. Uh, Your thoughts on that? How much of that is him? How much of that is his receivers? I
2: do definitely think that there was a good good amount on Rodgers, um, especially last night. I feel like that first deep shot he took to Aaron Jones near the end zone, He would have put some air under that into the end zone. I think it's a touchdown. And then the second half, he took another deep shot to Jones. And on that one, he put more air under it when I think he could have put more of a line on it straight to Jones' chest. That's just one example of it. But I also do think that, you know, whether it's drops we've seen or guys just not making that play at the end. Like, we've seen, obviously, Watson has some drops. seen Dobbs has some drops. Lazard's had some drops. So that doesn't help, but... You know, I just, there are times it feels like for sure with Watson where Rogers will before the play start essentially. And I think that was the, that would have it on third and 10 Rogers essentially chose I'm going to Watson here, regardless of the coverage, regardless of what's happening. That's where the ball's going. And we've seen that. I think in almost every game, you saw it versus Miami, you saw it versus Minnesota last week. Try, and I get it. He's Christian Watson. You want to try to get him the ball deep, but unfortunately it was not hitting. It hasn't really been hitting since, uh, Philadelphia. And, you know, on that third and 10, I think Lazard was pretty open over the middle and it might not have gone the first, but it would have gotten at least eight or nine yards would have made going for fourth a real possibility. Instead, he just chucked that ball deep to Watson and it got picked off and that was it.
1: Just an incredible how the season plays out. And now we go through Favre 2.0 yet again this offseason of, well, I don't know if I'm coming back. I'll have to think about it. I'll get back to you. Non-committal as always. I, the similarities between Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre just is mind-blowing at this point uh, of where Aaron Rodgers is in his career. Having said all of that, I've, I've stated the whole time he's coming back, and I think— You get Bakhtiari back. I think Crosby's already said he wants to come back. So I think Crosby is back. I think Mercedes Lewis is back. I think this whole crew of guys all running back one more year. Uh, And then maybe after next season, then they all go riding off into the sunset together. What do you think, Eli? Uh,
2: Yeah, I mean, I I do think it's kind of going to be an all-or-nothing deal, like what you said, because Aaron Rodgers made it seem pretty clear last night that guys like Mercedes, Bakhtiari, Randall Cobb, some of these guys that there are questions about their future – it's going to play play a big part in Rogers' decision because he said, you know, it's not just it's not just playing the game; it's who you're playing it with and the moments off the field, the moments in the locker room, and that's going to matter to him. You know, he's going to be 40 years old by the middle of next season, and most of this team's not even 25. So if Mercedes is gone and Cobb is gone, that's a you know that's a real thing for a 40 year old quarterback. But like you said, I mean, I, I do think that you know both with his contract. And with the way the season ended, I almost feel like there's a better chance if they went to the playoffs and lost that he would have retired as opposed to like this, to go win those four games and kind of see the potential this team truly has. With Watson and Dobbs, the offensive line, again, did not play great last night, but I do think they have some very key big pieces on that line that should be good for a long time. And all the talent on the defense, even with some obviously bad penalties, but plenty of talent there. I think Rodgers could look at what the team does over the offseason in the draft. And like you said last night, I do think there are a couple players away. You know, I think a a game-changing tight end or maybe just another receiving threat, get a better safety um, to cover the back end of the defense, another edge rusher. A few key positions, if they hit it right, I think this team truly could not only just be a playoff team, I think they could be back to being a Super Bowl contender, So I I do think Rogers is going to look at that. And if he comes back, like you said, I would expect him to make sure that his crew of guys is back with him.
1: I agree a thousand percent with everything you said. Eli Berkovitz, uh, follow him on Twitter at BookOfEli underscore NFL. You do not want to miss out on his takes at BookOfEli underscore NFL. Eli, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. (sighs)
0: Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com?